Um, so we're celebrating our 75th anniversary this November at our church. In 1947, First Baptist Church of Mercer said there needs to be another Baptist. There was always two Baptist churches, and, and they, for some reason they didn't call the second one Second Baptist. They called it Bellwood Baptist. But anyway, and then in 1947 they said there needs to be another Baptist church on the north side of town. And uh, so they planted, First Baptist Church planted the Third Baptist Church in Murfreesboro. And they, they ran out of creative names, and so that's all they could think of was Third Baptist Church. And what is funny, you come to Murfreesboro, Tennessee now, they planted us on the outskirts of Murfreesboro, way north, and really we're downtown now. We're, we're as much downtown as First Baptist Church is. And so it's really interesting how the churches, or how Murfreesboro has grown. So I'm one of the pastors at Third Baptist Church. We brought a team of six up today. So there's Mike DeWeese, and uh, next up is Josh Davis. And then back there's Mandy Lee Bratton, and then there's Jackie Briggs, and then Amy Geib right there. And uh, notice we have the same last name, and we're not brother and sister. So anyway, um, <laughs> so what I wanted to do today um, is I wanted to share with you kind of like And because we're partnering with you for many, many years, and we'll get to that later on, why we're praying it'll be many, many years, is, um, is it's part of our, the DNA of how we think through missions, how we think through what church is about. And so I want to share a little bit of our philosophy and all that. And you can think, well, all that sounds really like heady stuff, but really it comes from the scriptures. So we'll be teaching the word, uh, sharing what our, our, our heart is as our church. And then part of that, you'll see eventually how Redeemer Church fits into that strategy of who we are, of what God has called us to be. If you would just bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to talk to the Father for a minute. And just ask the Father to speak to you through the Word today. And then just tell the Father that you are going to respond somehow at the end of this time. Father, I pray for myself that I will listen to what you have to say. That, Father, I will respond to what you have to say today. And, Father, I do pray through, through the power of the Holy Spirit that you empower me to speak your words. Father, that I would not say things I don't need to say. And Father, I'll say the things that you need me to say. In Jesus' name, amen. I do believe a worship service is a dialogue with the Father. We've just finished praising him and, and talking with him about uh, how we feel about him. He is now going to speak to us through, through his word. And hopefully in a normal conversation with a friend of yours, there's a dialogue back and forth. And so it would be really kind of rude for God to talk to us today. And us walk away and go, well, that was it. We're done, you know, and uh, without us responding. And so we are going to give opportunity to respond at the end of the day. If you would, turn your Bibles to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. If you know this set of verses, it's the Great Commission. And we're going to start in verse 16. Look at that. Wow. Somebody came up with that. Okay. Start verse 16. I'm not going to read the whole passage. We're going to just sort of walk through it a little bit. 
The 11 disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. And the first thing you think of, I think, as we read through that, we see, oh, they doubted. They're probably doubting Jesus. I mean, um, you know, really, I mean, who is this guy? And um, he's standing in front of us, and we're kind of, because it says they worshiped, but some doubted. But here's what I think is really going on. They worshiped him. They doubted themselves. They weren't doubting this risen Lord in front of them where they see the handprints and all that and they see the scars on his forehead from the crown of thorns. I think they're doubting themselves. Here's, here's God himself. He, he's a resurrected Messiah. He's in front of us. But it wasn't so long ago, I ran away. I deserted. I denied him. What can I do? What, how do I deal with this? So I think they're doubting themselves. They're not doubting who Jesus is in front of them. They're doubting themselves. And then look how Jesus responds to that doubt. Then Jesus came to here and said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So here they are doubting themselves. And yet Jesus says, wait a minute, guys. Here I am. I've got the authority. I've got the power. It doesn't matter about you because I've got the power. I've got the authority. Think about yourselves for a minute. I'm sure because we are fallen, broken human beings, we all doubt ourselves. I mean, here's a short little guy. I'm only five foot eight, you know, got a big nose. I'm, I'm from the north, although I've been doing ministry in the south for 40 years. I'm a Yankee, you know. I know y'all go, well, we're Yankees too, but, but down in Tennessee, I'm considered a Yankee. And, uh, and I... I'm, I'm not very athletic, and you know, I mean, I got all these stripes, I'm losing my hair, you know, and then I got all, all these strikes against me, and then things you all don't know about, what goes on inside me, just like you all have experiences in your past that have impacted you negatively in your own heart, how you perceive yourself, and so, so Jesus comes up and he says, you know, you doubt yourself, you doubt what you in this little town. I mean, come on, you can't really do this, can you, do, Michael? And yet Jesus says, Michael, if these are churches, not you. I've got all authority. I'm the one who's doing this. And so all of a sudden, the disciples go down. I'm not saying they went away. They just, hey, here's what I am. Been doing this a long time. I've heard that every morning. I'm not saying they just go away. But every morning, as I spend time with the Father, I, I do come to the conclusion it's Jesus working in me through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not me, myself. And so Jesus comes to them and says, all authority has been given to me. He says, therefore, or he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So the next word should be make disciples. That's our commandment. Our command is not to go. Our command is not to baptize. Our command is not to teach the Our command is to make disciples. of how we make disciples. Just, the word disciple simply means a learner or a follower. It's really not a hard skill. Jesus says, I want you to be a follower. At the age of 19 and a half, 20, I learned this idea that I'm not just 
to follow Jesus myself, but I'm supposed to be bringing people along me and causing them to become followers of Jesus, of Jesus too, because that's his command in Matthew 28. He says, go, he says, make disciples, make followers of me. And so as you all are here in St. Albans, you have jobs, you have hobbies, you have things you enjoy doing, you have At our church, we have, uh, in the past several years, we have made this our theme. I'm not saying we're doing a good job. We're taking the 75-year-old church, and we're trying to turn this traditional Southern Baptist church in a little southern town, and we're trying to turn it and, and get away from maybe old concepts of what it means to be a Baptist, and we're saying we're here to make disciples. One of the things we have our deacons do, our deacons close our services in prayer every Sunday, and one of the things they're supposed to say, whether I'm never in the, in, the, in the worship center, at the end I'm out to greet people, but they're supposed to say this at the end, you are sent, go make disciples. As you walk out our doors, our worship center, you'll see on the other side of our door, you are sent, go make disciples. As you go into our, our upper lobby, and, and you begin to get on the steps, you go outside, up above it says, you are sent, go make disciples. I'm not saying we're doing it well, okay? But it is a, a new vision that we're casting for our people, that we are not here to go to church, we're not here to sing some songs, we're not here to learn things in a Sunday school class or a connect group or whatever. We are here to make followers of Jesus. So Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples, our command. And then he gives us a process of doing it. He says, go, baptize, and teach to obey. That's the process of making disciples. Do you realize the church, I'm not saying this church, I think the church in America made some fatal mistakes back in uh, the early 20s and 30s. Um, they began to separate evangelism and discipleship. A guy wrote a book back then, and I think a fatal book for the church, and we begin to say, we need to become soul winners and converts, and that's the kind of church I grew up in. Make converts. Make, you know, we need to win souls. And, and people would get saved. And that was it. They were done. Okay? And the whole idea, we are not called to make converts. We are called to make disciples. And the process of making disciples starts with the idea of going. Just as, as you go out among St. Albans, as you meet people. Where's Heidi? Is she here? She's downstairs. So we had lunch, we had dinner with Heidi the other night. And Heidi goes, you know what? Everybody we meet, we tell them to come to our church, you know? And uh, I said, you're right. And you know what Heidi was doing? She's obeying the go aspect. As you are going. And our team, the past four days, three days we've been here, everybody we've met, we said, oh, we're here with Redeemer Church and their new church down by Domino's. And they all, by the way, if you don't have to learn, learn that yet, say that. They all know where Domino's is. Yeah, okay. They all know where Domino's is. They'll go, Redeemer Church? I'll go, yeah, it's right beside Domino's. Oh, I think I know where that is, you know. So as you are going, we're walking around the, the, uh, the uh, farmer's market yesterday. And almost every place we stopped and talked, oh, yeah, we're with Redeemer Church down by the Domino's, you know. As you are going, you're just building relationships is all you're doing. You're being friendly and spending time with people. And you're not trying to get converts to check off your little box for God, you know? You're just building relationships and showing people they have value and they have worth. 
So as you are going, you're just making friends and you're developing friendships. Well, some of those people you meet, you are going to develop deeper friendships. And you're going to invite them over to your house for dinner. We're going to go play basketball with them or whatever your hobbies are. Take them boating. I want to come and go boating in the summer. Can, anybody here got a boat? You can take me boating. You got to find somebody that has a boat. Take me boating. I can't wait to. Um, who does? Oh, well, Paul, one of these days in my retirement life, I plan to cruise my boat up here and cruise on Lake Champlain. So anyway, that's, that's a long-term goal of mine. But, May never make it, but anyway. Um, but as you're going, whatever you're doing, whatever your hobbies are, as you're at the store, your 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 groups that you're involved in, as you are going, uh, you begin those relationships. Well, what's the next point? Well, hopefully, as you develop those friendships and you're talking about what makes you tick, you begin to share the gospel. And as you begin to share the gospel, and at some point in time, that person trusts Jesus Christ as Savior, then you baptize them. Okay, so again, understand this whole idea of making disciples is not, oh, I, I, I first share the gospel and they get saved, and then I make a disciple. No, no, no. Making disciples is I develop relationships. I share Jesus. They trust Christ. They get baptized. And then the last thing is we teach to obey. And I want you to understand that, that line there. It's not, and Michael, I don't know you well enough. I may be stepping on your toes. I don't know. We don't teach the word just for information. We teach to obey. It has a, an applicational process to it. So if I'm just teaching the word for information, isn't this cool facts about the Bible? I haven't done my thing yet. I haven't done it until I'm teaching and I'm, and I'm challenging you. Here's what the word says. Here's how you apply it to life. Here's how you look like Jesus. And so this process, here's how you become a follower of Jesus. So this process of Matthew 28 is we go, we develop relationships. In the process of developing relationships, we begin to share the gospel. As we share the gospel, people are going to trust Christ as Savior. I continue to walk with them and teach them the word of God, teach them to obey the word of God. They become a follower of Jesus, and then they start the process all over again. I was sharing with Michael the other day, or this morning. Well, in fact, all, all your elders I was sharing with, that my understanding of discipleship, I have not succeeded in making a disciple until the person I'm discipling is making a disciple. That's when I go, okay, I've succeeded. Like, I don't just go, oh, you know the Word of God? You know all 66 books of the Bible? Well, I've done my job. No, 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 no. Or you're, you're faithful to attending church? No, that's, I'm, I'm not done yet. It's when I see you beginning to pour into somebody else's life and develop them and begin making a disciple, then I can step away and go, okay, I'm going to go work on somebody else over here. Yeah. So this, this thing Jesus says, he goes, go, he says, make disciples. He says, go, baptize, and teach to obey. Look what else he says there. He says, baptize in the name of, of, the, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or obey everything I've commanded you. And then he says this, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Do you see, do you see those bookends that he gives? I've got all the authority and power. You need to go make disciples. Don't worry about it because I've got all the power again. It's all Jesus. It's not me. It's not you. It's us coming to the place of submitting to the power of the Holy Spirit, coming to a place of dependence on the Father, 
Read John 15, that we are in the vine, and, and if we abide in Christ, then we can do anything. Apart from him, we can do nothing. That includes our discipling. I cannot disciple somebody. I cannot develop a follower of Jesus unless I, I am submitted to and empowered by the Holy Spirit using the very power that Jesus gives me to begin to make disciples. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I commanded you, and remember, I am with you always. Now there's a, there's a, a, a word I left out. I think it's up there. Oh, the next, well, let's see. Let's hit, there we are. Of all, that didn't, Work out the way I wanted to. But anyway, of all nations, I'm not just baptizing. I mean, I'm just not making disciples in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. That's not what God has called me to do. God has not called you just to make disciples in St. Albans, Vermont. He's called us to make disciples of all nations. And so we're not doing our job if, if our focus is just here. And that's all we think about, okay? We've got, we've got to get our blinders off and see God's entire whole world and say, oh, you've caused us to make disciples of, of all nations, of all people groups. And so we gotta get this big picture in mind, even a small congregation like, uh, like Redeemer Church. I'm about to pick on your elders now. You know, no matter where you are, how small, there needs to be at some level making disciples of all nations. First thing I saw when I walked in here was your map up there. I loved it. In fact, I I'm not good at Etsy. First off, I've got to figure out if, if the pastor of our church will let me do that somewhere. And then uh, find a wall and put that up to give us a worldview. I love that up there. And, uh, but it just can't be a picture on the wall. It needs to somehow, either $5 a month or something, you know, to begin to, to make disciples of, of all nations. We'll talk about that a little bit in a second. And I am with you always. And so again, I just want to say, this doesn't happen because of my power or my strength or my education or my whatever. It's when I come to the place of realizing I can do nothing apart from Jesus. And when, when, when Third Baptist Church comes to the point of saying we can do nothing apart from Jesus. And when, when Redeemer Church comes to the point of saying we can do nothing apart from Jesus. And we get to that point of dependency we begin to spend time with the Father every day and saying, Father, just let me know you. Let me know your heart. Let me know how you think. Just, just begin to work in my heart. Father, through, you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, help me to, to be the person you've called me to be in Jesus. And so I'm with you always. So look at this word, all nations. What I want to do is turn to Acts 1.8. Talking about this, this thing of, of reaching all nations, I want to share with you the second part of the DNA of Third Baptist Church, just so you know who we are as a church. So the first part of the DNA of Third Baptist Church is this idea that we are to be making disciples. And again, we've, even the, we've gone one step further and said we want to make disciples who make disciples. And we want to make disciples of all nations. So Acts 1.8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. You know what? I got ahead of myself. I think I got another slide up here. Go to my next slide. He says, listen, I'm with you always. Here's what I think. We need to disciple like Jesus discipled. Um, 
I think it's so interesting that so many times we read the Gospels and we read the Gospels to find out what Jesus is, is telling us. Or let's, let's read the Gospels and find out Jesus' teachings. But I think it's also very, very, very important. We read the Gospels to see how Jesus modeled discipling. In his humanity, how did Jesus make disciples? How did he model this, this idea of making disciples to his 11 disciples who ended up making disciples themselves? So I just want to throw out six things really quick. The first one is this. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is a, a deep discussion. We're not going to have it today. I'm just going to throw it out there. Jesus lived out his humanity by not dipping into his deity. He lived out his humanity as he expects you and I to live out our, our humanity. And he did it empowered by the Holy Spirit. Read through the Gospels. You'll find Jesus did everything through the power of the Spirit. Okay? It's not like, oh, I'm God. I, I think I'll make all this bread now. Or I'm God. I think I'll walk on water now. No. He did it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's the very same Holy Spirit been given to you and I. And so how did Jesus make disciples? He was empowered by the, He was submitted. Can you believe that? The second person of the Trinity, God himself, was submitted to the third person of the Trinity. And the reason Jesus did that in his humanity, to show that you and I, that's how we do it too. We submit to the power of the Holy Spirit. Second thing he does, or how Jesus, he depended on prayer. Man, you read through, I love Luke 5, 16. Jesus got away to pray as was his habit. If you read through the Gospels, Jesus made decisions not because he was God. I'm God, I know how to do this. He spent time with the Father and then made decisions. Read it. It's, it's, it's a mind blower. You know, the one I love that's so obvious is he went up in the mountain, he spent all night in prayer, and then he chose his disciples out of all his followers. What was he praying about all night? All night prayer? I can already get through 10 minutes and I'm already going to sleep. Can you imagine Jesus praying, Father, what about Michael? You know, should, should I let Michael be one of my disciples? And the Father goes, well, well, well. Imagine if he had 20, 40, 50, 60, 120 followers, and Jesus is praying all night over each one, and he comes up at the end of the morning, and he gets up and he goes, okay, guys, gather around. I spent time with the Father all night. Peter, yeah, you're going to follow me. You're going to be one of my, my 12. And you know one of the 12 that God had him choose? was a man named Judas who was going to kill him. God sometimes calls us to do the hard things. Yeah. Depending on prayer, next thing. The reason I need to look up here, because I know these by a different method, but I put them up here, not my normal method. Obedient to the Father. Jesus was obedient to the Father. Just as he calls us to be obedient. And as we are obedient to the Father, then we're modeling this idea of following Jesus. We're modeling this concept of being obedient. So we teach it, we obey it ourselves, and, and uh, so Jesus modeled that obedience to the Father. Next one. He used the word of God. Now, I know here's... Do you know that Jesus, simply because he was a Jewish boy in that time, by the time he was 12, he probably had the Pentateuch memorized? He memorized Leviticus? Oh my, really? Yes, probably 
More than likely, Jesus being a Jewish boy of that day, he had the Pentateuch up here. It wasn't, oh, he's God, that's why he knew the Bible. No, he was a human being who went to synagogue school. Now, I, I think his IQ was higher than most of ours, okay? He was submitted to the power of the Holy Spirit and, uh, and, and all that. So there was something about him, but it wasn't that, I'm God, it's all up here. I downloaded it just like a computer. I know the word, no, he memorized it just like, and he had some incredible parents that taught him the word of God also. But he used the word of God. And read through the Gospels and see how many times he's quoting Old Testament scripture constantly. He didn't quote Paul, by the way. Nothing against Paul, okay? But he didn't quote Paul. He quoted Leviticus, you know, and, and things like that. Next thing, he always gave glory to the Father. The things you hear me saying, I got from Dad. The things I'm doing, the Father told me to do it. Everything, he exalted the Father. Does that make sense? If, if you and I are submitting to the power of the Holy Spirit and saying, I can't do this myself, I'm, I'm being connected to the vine, John 15, I'm abiding in him, and I'm talking to the Father about what I need to do, then who, who gets the credit? Not me. The Father gets credit. And so Jesus, all through his life, the Father, the Father, the Father. Last thing, he did these things in intentional relationships. Again, as you are going, as you're going to the store, your car mechanic, the person you work with, your neighbor, building intentional relationships for the purpose of making disciples who make disciples. By the way, I put this over here because all of these things show up in Matthew 28. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, all power has been given to me. Notice it, even in that comment, Jesus, second person of the Trinity, the Father's given me the power to do this. He's already submitting to the Father and submitting to the Holy Spirit. Well, if Jesus, second person of the Trinity, needs to be submitted to the power of the Holy Spirit, then certainly you and I do. So Jesus, and power of the Holy Spirit, all thorns have been given to me. I depend on prayer. Again, this idea, I'm with you. We're hanging out together. Jesus is talking. He's obedient to the Father. Teach to obey the word of God. Teach, giving glory to the Father. All authority has been given to me. It comes from the Father again. And intentional relationships, this idea of just the relationship of going, baptizing, teaching. The whole thing in Matthew 28 is shown in this, this methodology that Jesus used in just being a human being to show you and I, oh, we can be like Jesus. Not because I'm so awesome, because God the Father is getting the Holy Spirit in me. That's what makes me awesome, if I just submit to him. Let's go to Acts 1-8 really quick. I don't know when y'all are supposed to get out, but I can go forever, so anyway. Acts 1-8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Just, just very quickly, that very first phrase, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. We, um, we Southern Baptists who are from the South, we tend to put the Holy Spirit over here a lot. You notice I don't, okay? The Holy Spirit is crucial, crucial for us to begin to know who he is and submit to him. I, I, you know, when I, when I talk to people, I share with people about 
about all this stuff. For Dwayne, I tend to talk to the Holy Spirit more than I do anybody else. You may say, well, Dwayne, we need to talk about that. But that's because as I, even this morning, Holy Spirit, empower me today to speak. Holy Spirit, help me love my wife that I'm supposed to. I do. I know you all probably have no problem with your spouses, you know, and all that stuff. And, uh, and it's, not, it's not Amy, it's me, okay? But Father, help me to, to love my wife through the fruit of the Spirit. Father, this person over here that just cut me off, let me have self-control and, and, and not say certain things or act certain ways. Father, I'm walking to the airport tomorrow morning. I'm tired and I'm grouchy. Father, please let me show kindness and goodness. And, and so I'm talking to the Holy Spirit all the time. And uh, this whole thing of that's where our power comes from, the Holy Spirit. I want to quickly use Acts 1.8 and just let you know for Third Baptist Church, that is where our mission strategy and making disciples comes from. And so I want to quickly just share, share with you our mission strategy. And it says, the first one, he says, um, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And so our Jerusalem is our local mission organizations. Uh, there's many in Murfreesboro, but we support right now financially, and we support physically by we going and, and doing things with them. We support eight local mission organizations within our, within our town. Um, you can't support every one of them. You can't, you, you've got to sort of be focused. And so we have, we have chosen mission organizations that help us um, have, have a lot of hands in places. We support um, a women's homeless shelter. We support a family's uh, uh, homeless shelter. We support an organization that works with, in human trafficking. We support a organization that works with foster children. We support our local um, crisis pregnancy support center called Portico. Um, can't think of the other ones right now. Oh, our FCA, Fellowship Christian Athletes. Uh, we work with a local public school, the one closest to us. We do things with them. So now they're not, they're not a, a Christian organization, the public school, but we are making impact in that school. And so um, locally, as we look at ourselves and we go, okay, here's our Jerusalem. How do we use our finances as a church and use our bodies and use our skill sets and so we have chosen at this point in time eight local entities that we work with in, in that way. So we're, we got our hands out there. The next one, Jesus says, is not just your Jerusalem, but you need to go to your Judea. So what we did many, many years ago, we thought, okay, for, for us, our Judea is North America. And uh, so right now, Redeemer Church is the church we are partnering with. Um, we, are, we don't partner with more than one church at a time because we don't want to get scattershot. You know? We, we want to we partner with somebody for a long period of time and be focused. I mean, if we, if we partner with four or five different churches in the United States, we might get up here one time a year, if that. But by partnering with one church at a time for a X number of years, we can come up three, four times a year and partner with y'all and, and just do whatever y'all need us to do to come up. You know, be involved in... in in ministry things or just do some of the things we did this this time um, so just let you know in the past we have worked with a church in Newfoundland uh, for a couple years and it, it's typically we don't ever step away from a partnership it's that church has said we're okay now or the church is closed down or something we have never left a partnership um, the church has always uh, not left us but they've ended or whatever so we're for the church in Newfoundland for for three years, we worked with a church on Prince Edward Island up in Canada. For three or four years, we worked with a church in Park City, Montana, right outside Billings. Um, 
Our longest partnership was with a church in Cincinnati, uh, in Price Hill area. And I, I loved that church because it was in the middle of a, of a crime-ridden, uh, uh, very bad place. And one of the things I love about that story of that church is there was one Sunday that an ex-Black Panther and an ex-Aryan Nation guy got baptized the same Sunday morning together. And that, that was just an incredible place. And we loved that church. And, and they worked with the prostitutes in the area. They did a lot of food banks. And they did, but it, just, it was just a hard, hard work. And that church finally just said, we can't do this anymore. And, and uh, but we, we part, and then, and then COVID hit, you know, and uh, we were starting to partner with a church in Vermont and then COVID hit, that's a whole nother story. And, um, but now God has led us to you all. And um, so we, the, the shortest time we've been with a, a church and partnering is three years. And that's usually because they have quit for whatever reason. And our longest has been the church in Cincinnati about six years. So we're here for the long haul folks. I'll just let you know until you say, you might go to Michael later on and say, you know that guy, Dwayne? You know, may, maybe not, you know, and, uh, but, but as long as you'll have us, we want to partner with you all. So you're our, our, you're our Judea right now. And then our Samaria is we have two church plants in Mexico. Our church, um, we have an English-speaking congregation and we have a Spanish-speaking congregation. And, um, and a, a majority of our Spanish-speaking congregation are illegal aliens, Okay. Uh, but we're not their policemen, we're their pastors, okay? And uh, so we have a full-time Hispanic pastor uh, on our church staff. And um, I, one of the church plants we started about 12 years ago. And um, I, I love the story. This guy came up from a little town called Tierra Blanca. It's almost near the Guatemalan border. And he came up to, uh, snuck to the border, got to Murfreesboro. And um, he trusted Christ as Savior. He went back down after three years. Um, I can get the story of that, won't do it. Went back down to Mexico to his little small town, and he got his two brothers together and said, hey, I want to start having a Bible study. And uh, so his two brothers and their, their wives started having a Bible study, and then he said, we need to start a church. There was no, there was a Jehovah's Witness and a Catholic church, and that was it in the small town. He said, we want to start a Bible study. So because he got saved in our church through our Hispanic congregation, our Hispanic pastor said, Dwayne, we need to do something down there. And so uh, the first time we went down there to help plant this church, I've been told this, I really can't believe it, I've been told this, that I was the first, Eng first Anglo that had ever been in that town because it sits in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, but that church is now averaging 80 and, uh, in a small little town. And so that's one of our church plants. We still partner with them because they're a little poor little town and the i mean there's only one paved road going through that town and everything else is that there's no running water uh you know when you go there and you and you stay at somebody's house you you, you there's one house geraldo's house you know you you go in this way and you you get the cistern and you take a bucket of water and you wash your hands and all that stuff or you take a bucket of water pour your head and then you walk out and you walk over this way and on this side there's a toilet and you do your business and you get your water in your cistern and pour it down the toilet there's no running water and that's that kind of town that that it is and um but we've been working there we have just started partnering we just started last week with a church about 30 miles outside of mexico city and the pastor of that church we ordained last year to be to go into the and the pastor of the church in terra blanca we ordained several years ago 
and uh, to be a pastor. And so we have started our second church plant. It goes a little bit against our philosophy. We don't want to be partnered with too many churches. We don't want to, we want to give all we can to one church at a time, but we feel like in this situation that we're going to try and work this out that we can uh, work with two church plants at one time. And so that's our Samaria. So we've always said our Samaria is just going to be like, like Mexico because of our Hispanic congregation and all that. Then the ends of the earth. And right now, I don't know why India ended down there, but we are partnered with um, uh, a, a, a missionary in, in Mumbai right now. And that's who we're involved with. What we've always done in our ends of the earth, God has blessed us in a, in a great way by having people in our congregation who become mission-minded or are mission-minded and go out on the mission field. And so, you know, for three years we partnered, somebody from our church went to Belgium and we partnered with Belgium for several years. And, and uh, then somebody from our church um, uh, went to Chile, uh, Santiago, and we partnered with them for like three years. And um, then um, we had a, a person in our church um, work in college ministry in Bonn, Germany. We partnered with them for a while. Um, then we, we went to Italy for several years. And, um, and then we have hooked up with this missionary family um, in, our, in our town, and they got very involved in our church, and they work in Mumbai. And so we've taken, we took our first mission trip to Mumbai, and then COVID hit, and so we said, got to back off on that for a while. We are hoping maybe January to actually start going over there physically again. And that's, that's our plan. Um, so I wanted to share with you today just where our heart is, who we are as a church. We're here to make disciples. Here's our strategy. It comes from Acts 1-8 of how we're going to make disciples to the ends of the earth. And so our church, we give, we give financially, I would say, between 12 to 15% of our budget goes to missions, either local or foreign. Some of our church, we give through the Copper Program. We give through all that, so money goes out, but also we have our own, what's called world missions offering, and we also give to missions through that. So not only do we go physically, we support financially uh, to try and make disciples to the ends of the earth. That's what God has called us to do. And so, um, just talking to Michael, and, um, and you all, I believe, not, don't know everything about you all yet, but I think the heartbeat, as I walked in, I saw that we're just not focusing on St. Albans, but we have a worldwide vision for God calling us to make disciples who make disciples. I know this has not been an evangelistic sermon, <laughs> um, but I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. What has God been talking to you about today? As you've been listening what has God been speaking? Maybe it's just praise. Father, thank you for, for Redeemer Church that you've given us this heartbeat for. Maybe it's just a praise today. Or maybe God has spoken to you and said, you know, I need to be more of a worldview person. God, how can I begin to be a, a discipler to the ends of the earth? Maybe it's just through your finances. Maybe it's through going to Michael and you feel a heartbeat and go, Michael, what, what can we do? Maybe just 
God speaking to you about your town here. Maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit has spoken to you about just being more intentional about as you're going in this town and building relationships to share the gospel. Just talk to the Father and respond in today. Father, I we, we've we've spoken several times with the elders of this church. Just how I don't know anybody here, and yet within just meeting, because of the Holy Spirit who dwells in in, in each of us, that we so quickly become family, and so quickly just sense a love. And it's because of the Holy Spirit who shed brought His love in our hearts. Father, I thank You that You looked at St. Albans, Vermont. And Father, You saw people who You love, people who You created, people who have value and worth, and You loved them so much while they were, while they were helpless, while they were sinners, well, they were ungodly, not because they're in St. Albans, because all of humanity is that. God, you demonstrated your love toward us by sending Jesus to come and die for us. Father, I pray for Redeemer Church. That the people in this church individually, and Father, this church corporately, will submit to the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. They walk through their day-to-day -day life as individuals and as a corporate body filled with the Holy Spirit so they might make disciples who make disciples to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.